0: Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast, your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler.
1: Welcome back everyone to this week's episode. I am your host and lead writer, Christian Fowler, and joining me as always is Go Tigers two four seven founder, Brooks Sanson.
0: Christian, I I feel a little weird that we're not doing it off the boards. Like we're actually doing a legitimate episode here and talking about more than the Bahamas. So um, I feel like we've got a ton to talk about. Even though we've done like eleven podcasts in in what feels like twenty four hours,
1: no, it definitely it definitely is weird to be doing a full episode again after all these shorts that we've been doing. But I must say, for as much as I love doing the quick hitters, I think this is I think we found our sweet spot here, and I, I'm excited to jump back on the long form podcast, dude. Before we get started, I've got to say, Lester Quinones, I don't know what's
0: more controversial right now your short shorts or your Twitter. But it is hilarious, uh, both of them. Uh, as someone who rocks some chubbies, like it's uh, it's not going out of style anytime soon. I, I respect the short shorts, skies out, thighs out. But your tweets at Admiral Schofield and and uh, the UT crew and and uh, that's hilarious. I, I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. I, I died laughing whenever I saw your tweet about the Go Go's.
1: Pretty great, Christian. Content. Did you did you see that? Oh, that was that's that's great stuff. I think I think you'll probably have some people that that get butt hurt over it and get their feelings hurt over it, but I think it's hilarious. I think these players are allowed to have personalities and if they want to clap back at people they can and so I, I think it's all in good fun and I think it's hilarious that he kind of jumped back at Admiral Schofield for saying that they quote unquote spanked Memphis last year.
0: Yeah, it was a 10-point win for the Vols for those that missed it. Uh, far from a spanking. However, Let's get to the show. Uh, So we've talked ad nauseum about the Bahamas, about each of the four games. If you missed it, Christian and I covered every single one of the Tigers wins in the Bahamas, broke down each victory. Uh, But overall, we kind of wanted to take tonight to recap the trip as a a whole. Um, Christian, if you missed it, did an entire breakdown of the statistics from the Bahamas, and there are a few things that stuck out. Christian, what was number one for you?
1: Number one for me, I think, is a pretty easy one, and that is the three-point percentage. When you look at last year with Memphis struggling from behind the three-point line, and then you look at this small sample size of the Bahamas strip and you see almost 40% three-point percentage is absolutely crazy. We know that they added some top-notch shooters and Lester Quinonez and Boogie Ellis, and they have guys that can shoot the basketball now so to see this jump isn't it isn't extremely surprising i'm not i'm not blown away that they did it but it is impressive to finally see it in action and see that they are improving pretty drastically this quickly even though it wasn't against crazy competition or top level competition for them to be able to show that they can shoot this well right now I think that should really excite fans for what the three-point percentage could look like and what this team could look like as a perimeter shooting team when the season rolls around in November. So, Brooks, on the flip side of that, what is your, you know, the most impressive stat for you was the one that jumped off the page the most at you?
0: Well, I, th- I mean, I think you look at it, you know, Memphis had six guys that averaged double digits on that entire trip with Alex Lomax being extremely close to being the seventh at uh, 9.5 points per game. Um, you know, to have such good scoring distribution with with your two top guys out, um, and to have DJ, who's likely going to be your fifth or sixth guy, and then Tyler being a guy coming off the bench, averaging 15.3 points per game, and increasing his shooting percentage. Last year he shot 32% from three. He was right under 32%, shooting 40.6% from three. Extremely efficient, 13 of 22 from behind the stripe. So that for me is a huge improvement. And then you look at, I already mentioned Lomax, but look at his stat line, 9.5 points per game, four rebounds, 4.3 assists, he was three of four very selective with when he shot threes, but he he made them whenever he took them. Um, so extremely impressive there. But then, you know, completely unexpected for most people. But you know, going in we talked about him. Damian Ball led the team in assists with 4.8 assists per game. For a true freshman guy who's coming in as a an unheralded recruit to come in and do what he did in the Bahamas was pretty doggone impressive. Uh, So those are my, my main two. Uh, The, the last thing I would say is that Tyler Harris had 14 assists and only one turnover in four games. That is not the Tyler Harris that I know. Um, So whatever Kool-Aid he's been drinking, whatever he's been doing in the off season, keep doing it, man. It was, uh, you know, that's another highly impressive thing about what he did in the Bahamas.
1: Yeah, absolutely. When you look at his freshman season and and the criticism that he did receive was kind of for him playing too fast and sometimes seeming out of his element so for him for him to be able to have 14 assists and one turnover and shoot as well as he did after I don't want to say struggling from three-point range last year but probably needing to be a little bit more selective with his shot the improvement that he's made in such a short amount of time is, is definitely a promising thing. And I think you could really say that for a lot of guys coming off of this trip. So once again, Brooks, we, like you said, we've hit, we've hit it on it uh, ad nauseum really over the past few days, just going through the stats, talking about different players, but overall, obviously a successful trip. If you went all four of your games, like, like Penny Hardaway said, they really got to see a little bit of adversity against the Bahama national team. So, overall, very successful trip. Uh, I think fans were extremely excited to see this team in action for the first time, even minus James Wiseman and Precious Achiwa. So, we've definitely hit on the Bahamas' trip plenty over the past few days, Brooke. So, what are we going to get into next now that we have pretty much exhausted talking about the Bahamas?
0: Well, I think the the obvious transition here is to talk about what's next for this basketball team. You know, they're they're back in Memphis – uh, don't be shocked if if the coaching staff and the players take a week off I think they earned it and deserve it um, so I think you'll see them take a week or so off uh, and then hit hit things back hard as we get into the fall semester and the the key here is getting back to life as normal post Bahamas where you've got James Wiseman back practicing uh, post quote unquote injury and and trying to Get back to normal there, but then also reintegrating Precious back into the lineup and practice. Um, so really, as a staff, as a team, using what they learned in the Bahamas and pushing toward that, you know, Memphis Madness. And the other big part of that Memphis Madness, you know, routine, the the spectacle, is recruiting, and we can't talk about. What's about to go down over the next few months without talking about recruiting? This is about to be heavy, heavy, heavy recruiting season for 2020, and Memphis is going to hit the ground running really hard on some of their top prospects. So, Christian, we've had a few topics on the board. Uh, I think now is a perfect time to take a break for a message from our sponsors. As soon as we come back, we're going to take some of those questions one by one, tackle them here,
2: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
0: All right, so recruiting 2020 picks back up with September 13th. Uh, right now, from August the 19th to September 12th, it's a quiet period, but September 13th. The Memphis staff can hit the ground running, can really, really hit this 2020 class hard. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to make their plan for the next 30 days or so. And they're going to go out and go hard trying to get guys in on visits for Memphis Madness. Before we get to guys that may be visiting for Madness, I do think it's important to talk about a few guys that we've, we've discussed over the last year or so that you will not see visiting for Madness. The first of those guys is a guy that I know that you personally love, and that's uh twenty twenty point guard Nicks. Nix. Uh, he released his top five today on Monday, and Memphis was not a part of that top five, and um, I'll let you cover it. What happened there?
1: Well, I think what's, what you see, Brooks, is something that we've talked about, it feels like, just about every week over the past few months, and that Memphis is going after so many top 15 guys. I think it's four or five top 15 guys. And Dacian is certainly one of those guys. But when you look at the the backcourt guys, the guards that they're targeting, and Jaden Springer and Jalen Green and guys like that, I think they may have just felt in this situation that they wouldn't be able to take Dacian Nix or – kind of moving in a different direction because he certainly fits the bill of what they've been looking for he's a bigger point guard very unselfish player but obviously there's something to it that they uh, that they felt like they couldn't get him or or, you know wouldn't be able to take him somewhere down the line so it definitely makes sense when you look at it because they are after so many so many guards and so many players in the backcourt and Brooks the second player that released the top five that did not include Memphis is four star forward Jamie and Brakefield, somebody that we actually spoke to a couple weeks ago. And I'll let you cover that one a little bit.
0: Yeah, Jamie and released the top 10, Michigan State, UCLA, Ole Miss, Michigan, Florida State, Louisville, Oregon, West Virginia, Auburn, and Kansas. And here's the bottom line on him. You know, Memphis kind of dabbled a little bit. They threw out an offer just to see whether or not there's interest. And, you know, Jamie had great things to say about Memphis and the staff when when you spoke to him uh, a couple weeks back. But all in all, the ma- good majority of those schools have been recruiting him for quite a while. Um, and typically, historically, I've said this repeatedly on Go Tigers 247, dating back to the Memphis Roar days, shout out. Memphis Roar, rest in peace. Uh, Mississippi is extremely hard to recruit, and that includes even just mediocre players. Uh, rewind the clock to Dwight Colby. That recruitment was so weird and awkward, and he bounced around. You know, He was close to committing to Memphis. It's just hard to recruit Mississippi as a state. Um, there's a lot of dynamic there, and so you know, doesn't surprise me that Memphis did not make that top top ten on Dacian. You know, I think you said it. Memphis has so many guys that are recruiting at that position, and and you can only show so many guys that they're your priority. And and to be honest, I think if you look at the landscape, you you talk to the people around Dacian, Memphis just didn't stay in consistent contact, and I think that speaks volumes. Uh, and has been reiterated in the things that you've written as you've detailed Memphis's top targets, their top seven to 10 targets for 2020. Um, Dacian has just never been a part of that mix. There's been other guys that have been the priority. So with that said, uh, I think let's talk about a guy that you might see visiting, and that's a local guy, a Mississippi guy, A team that guy, and that is Class of 2020 Power Forward Cameron Matthews. Cameron just released his top five. Do you have that pulled up? Do you know what his top five was? I know UAB was in there, Ole Miss, Memphis.
1: I don't have it pulled up. I think Mississippi State was in there as well. I'm not sure on the final school, but that is one that Memphis did make the top five for for sure. And from watch, I've watched Cameron multiple times, and actually got to speak with him way back at the beginning of last basketball season, and I know you've seen him play a lot too, Brooks, and he is a super athletic player, former teammate of DJ Jeffries. Um, Not necessarily the most polished player as of right now, but like I said, extreme athlete, extreme upside. I think he's still a three-star prospect, hasn't gotten that four-star yet, but I think he's definitely somebody we could see rise up the rankings over the next year because no DJ Jeffries anymore. He's really expected to be the star of the show, and he has the ability to to take over as that dominant presence in Olive Branch's front court.
0: The final school of Matthew's top five was Arkansas. You were correct on Mississippi State being in there. And, yeah, you're right. You know, he's um, – you know – he is a an undersized power forward he to me and this is the way that i put it to somebody else he is the chris moore of the under armor circuit he is the motor uh just kind of grown man of the under armor circuit and was a big part of team thad's championship run in the uaa finals um you know obviously being recruited by some some you know SEC schools that require that physicality so Cameron is a guy that Memphis offered very early after Penny Hardaway got that job so I do think that there is kind of consistent kind of a dangling of the carrot for Memphis just one of those guys that you keep on the burner you hope that you can keep him there long enough to you know to see what happens with some of your other targets and who's his, next
1: hey well go ahead Real quick on that, and his development as well. Like I said, still kind of a three-star prospect, but definitely has a ceiling to grow a little bit. And you know, segueing from what you said, you you spoke about Chris Moore and an undersized power and an undersized power forward, and we've gotten some questions about Chris Moore and where he could potentially end up and what what his recruitment could look like if this class shapes up like people think it does. Uh, if they were to land guys like Jalen Green, Jaden Springer, and Greg Brown, and guys like that, and Brooks from you know from talking to people and from watching Chris Moore multiple times, I think he really is somebody that Memphis is going to prioritize down to the end, down to whenever he does commit. You know, he's already said he's taking official visit, uh, and he'll commit early. So that may put Memphis in in an awkward position. You know, do they want to take him early? Do they want to? tell him to hold off. It'll it'll be very interesting to see around November uh, when he said he's planning on making his decision after he takes his official visits. And like I said, it's it, it could be a scenario where they want to take him. It could be a scenario where they tell him to hold off. I mean, we all know how recruiting works, and it's hard to turn down one of your top priorities and somebody you've been recruiting so long. So for anyone saying that Chris Moore is not a priority for the staff, I think we've laid it out there multiple times, Brooks, that – that they definitely like Chris Moore. They love what he brings to the table. He's very familiar with the coaching staff, with the campus, with the players. Uh, He's been on multiple unofficial visits and will take an official visit. So somebody that's familiar with the program, somebody that's a priority, but it will just be, in my opinion, very interesting to see uh, what, what they do when he is ready to make that decision.
0: Well, I mean, I think the bottom line when you look at any target for Memphis in 2020 is that you've got to figure out where the primary positions of need are. You've got to figure out who's going to fill those. And then you've got to move forward and try to figure out how many you can take. So the, the obvious, most obvious number one hole, the gaping hole that's going to be there next year is say it with me, James Wiseman, number one. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so you start there and I think the, you know, there are a few guys that Memphis has prioritized that quasi-fill that hole. But there have been two recent developments uh, and one that you've covered pretty extensively in, in both an article and a podcast over the last two weeks, and that's Maddie's Sizzoko. He's a, you know, bruising 6'10 center. Would you say six six nine
1: six nine six nine um, six ten?
0: Just a man child with an unlimited motor that Memphis has offered and prioritized. Um, you know, you wrote an article a week and a half ago detailing Memphis's recruitment recruitment of Maddie. So, give us a little taste of what you had to say there.
1: Well, my first thing there is I want to start with what you said about his size, about him being six nine. And it really just shows you how different basketball players are regardless of size. Because you can have a guy like Greg Brown, uh, who's more of a finesse guy, who's you know a versatile guy, who can play really the 3 through the 5 at 6'9". And then you have a Matty Sissoko at 6'9", who plays like he's 7'2", and absolutely dominates everything on the floor. And I don't say that lightly. I got to watch him for the first time at the MBPA Top 100 camp, and I was asking everyone around me who this kid was I was trying to figure out who he was and why I hadn't heard his name pop up with Memphis yet because he absolutely stole the show uh, I know Paulo Banchero actually won the MVP there but I think Maddie Sissoko could have made a strong case because he is non-stop he runs the floor non-stop he rebounds he plays defense everything you want in a big man uh, he really has that, and when I spoke with him, he, you know, we spoke extensively about Memphis and assistant coach Cody Topper, who's been recruiting him since the MBPA camp, um, his journey to the United States from Mali, West Africa. So he is a very cool story. If you haven't heard the podcast or read the article yet, uh, it's very interesting. I told Brooks as soon as, as soon as I got, got done talking to Maddie, that that was possibly my favorite interview I've ever done because very humble kid. Uh, very talented basketball player and like like brooks said somebody that memphis has really started to prioritize here lately so um yeah brooks definitely james wiseman will be a massive need to fill and a player like maddie sissoko certainly certainly fits the bill even though he's not 7-1 like james wiseman he certainly plays bigger than he really is and and is more of a modern day center he just has to develop a jump shot
0: well the other guy that memphis is recruiting um that is kind of a recent development, is 6'11", so a little bit closer to James Wiseman's massive 7'1 frame, 6'11", four-star Cliff Amore, uh, who has offers from Kentucky, Pitt, Louisville, Syracuse, TCU, Miami, Rutgers, Seton Hall, Maryland, Florida, Illinois, and more. Uh, UConn has prioritized him. He's been on campus twice for UConn, has a visit set up for Rutgers and Seton Hall. Uh, and Memphis has been in touch with him. Uh, Props to Andrew Slater, our good pal, uh, for putting it out there that Memphis has been in touch for the last three weeks or so. So yet again, another example of how Memphis is continuing to evaluate a position of need. So with that need established, I think it's been pretty clear that Memphis is prioritizing a big-time wing and there, you can't go into Memphis's twenty twenty wing targets without talking about IMG Academy's Jaden Springer. Jaden has been one of Memphis's top priorities since they really since they started spending so much time recruiting Lester Canones uh, down at IMG. And we did have a question about Jaden. Uh, what's his timeline look like? Um, you know, who's really in there? How involved is Memphis? And I'll just say this. I fully expect Jaden to take all five of his official visits. I don't necessarily think that it will stretch into the calendar year of 2020. I think he could be a, you know, early signing period November guy if he can fit in all five visits between now and then. And I would not be shocked at all to see Jaden Springer as one of Memphis's Memphis Madness official visitors. He is a top priority, and if you remember 2019 recruiting class, that was the big event. That's when they had Damian Ball, James Wiseman, Malcolm Dandridge, DJ Jeffries, Precious, Precious Achiwa. Achiwa. Yeah, I mean, you know, Boogie Ellis was on an unofficial. You know, you name it, the vast majority of Memphis's recruiting class ended up at that event. So, again, Jaden Springer, all five visits. Don't be shocked if Memphis gets – an official visit for Memphis Madness. Um, yeah, I mean, just be patient with that one. I think he, he's a guy that Memphis is deeply prioritizing. Another priority at the, the, the wing point guard spot is Jalen Green. He's another guy that Memphis is extremely high on, has been for quite a while. Mike Miller has absolutely killed it uh, in establishing that relationship. And I I do think that you'll see uh, Jalen Green take another official visit to Memphis. Um, So, again, I think that that will be a guy that Memphis is knocking at the doorsteps the very moment that that quiet period uh, is gone in September. So look for Memphis to do an in-home with him and try to get that visit
2: established.
0: Alright now that we've covered so many guys and we could probably go another 15 minutes on 2020 recruiting and even 2019 recruiting but we're gonna transition to football we haven't been showing football as much love lately because of the Bahamas so we're gonna show some football love please stick around and listen to football I might tease something basketball recruiting at the end just to make sure that you stick around but if you don't we had questions about guys like Kyrie Walker Um, Isaiah Jackson um, Isaiah Isaiah Stokes Stokes. what's going to happen with those guys if you want to know what's going down head on over to GoTigers247 if you're not already a VIP member sign up I'm going to be going into the 2020 recruiting thread and answering all of those questions so tune in there check it out I'll try to answer as many questions as I can Um, and then just stay tuned over the next month because You'll be hearing everything that we hear about 2020 recruiting. So that said, let's talk about some football. And Christian Lester Canones put Admiral Schofield on blast on Twitter. And Brad Logan, good old Ole Miss beat writer for some unknown blog, decided to uh, take your Ole Miss versus Memphis score prediction, put it on Twitter, and and uh, and put you on blast. Um, You enjoy getting put on blast on Twitter. Is that cool for you?
1: Well, to me, it's funny because the way that the way that journalists do that more often than not is they put something up that someone says and kind of let other people rally around it, which is all in good fun. I'm, I'm not messed up messed up over it at all. I thought it was hilarious when I saw it. And I don't think he was trying to take a shot or anything because he even tagged me, and it's not like he didn't want me to see it. But a couple of Ole Miss fans did get did get a little upset, which is understandable because I did predict a 38-24 to Memphis victory in that first game, which may seem a little off. I know a lot of people that I've talked to are worried about that game. If you go look at you know any tweets that I've seen about the Ole Miss game or some of our board posts, People have been saying that uh, they they don't feel as confident about that score prediction, but I I get to watch this team every day. I think I have a pretty good pulse on on their strengths and their weaknesses, and I think I know enough about the college football landscape as a whole to say that Ole Miss is probably not going to be a very good team this year. I think think their offense will be good again as long as Matt Corral is good, which is honestly not somebody that I've been high on since he was in high school. Uh, You can ask our our former lead writer, Jonah Jordan, how how I feel about Matt Corral and how he he feels about Matt Corral, pretty differing opinions. Um, but their defense was terrible last year, just straight up not a good defense. I think they were the worst defense in the SEC, um, and that's that's tough to bring into a Liberty Bowl matchup against the Tigers in the offense. And I know you'll have people saying, well, they don't have Daryl Henderson anymore, so it's not going to be like that. But this offense is is really good. They've looked really good in the spring. they looked really good in fall camp so far. So I think the offense is going to be fine this year. You have Brady White coming back, and he's looked like a completely different player. You have Patrick Taylor, uh, who, as we know, has had 30 touchdowns in the last two years on the ground alone. Uh, Demonte Cox, coming back. Joey Magnifico. So they're still loaded on offense. I know they're... Uh, have three different offensive linemen, but when you have an offensive line coach like Ryan Silverfield, I think you're okay in that department. So that's really what led to my prediction. It's nothing against Ole Miss. I'm not an, a complete Ole Miss hater. I just feel like Memphis is, is the better football team this year. And that's not to say that, that Ole Miss couldn't win that game because I know that's a high-emotion game. Uh, it's the first game of the year. There's going to be a lot of Ole Miss fans in the Liberty Bowl. I know Memphis fans don't want to hear that, but it, it's just the truth. When when Ole Miss plays here, there's a lot of fans. It's just regionally where we are. So that game could go either way, but I definitely see Memphis coming out with the upper hand just because experience, depth, offensive talent, home field advantage. So those are my reasonings behind my my two-touchdown score prediction.
0: Well, Brad, in case you're listening, I am just joking. I, know, I, I fully know that Saturday Down South is a legitimate blog. Uh, I'll take – any number of your 221,000 Twitter followers if you want to send them my way. Um, but, yeah, all in good good fun. We'll see how it plays out on the last Saturday of August. Um, so, Christian, what, it, what do you think Memphis is really focusing on over these last, what, 12 days? These last final days before the big kickoff against Ole Miss at the Liberty Bowl?
1: I think at this point, like I said last week, it's it's really just consistency because you return so many players on both sides of the ball. You have so much experience and so much more depth than, than you've had the last two years that it's just consistency at this point. You want to see your offense continue uh, to, to play well. I know a lot of people that saw the scrimmage that was at the Liberty Bowl didn't think too highly of the offense, and that's just football. In general, fall camp, defense is going to beat the offense, because the offensive play calls are so much more in-depth, it's it's so much more difficult to grasp an offense than a defense just because of the play calls, the number of play calls, especially in a Mike Norvell-led offense. So the offense is always expected to be behind the defense in fall camp. And I think by the time the season rolls around, you'll see that the offense is just fine. I think they'll be clicking on all cylinders. And then on the defensive side of the ball, same thing. Consistency is key, uh, but that we have to remember they're also – Learning a bit of a new system under Adam Fuller. They have some new guys rotating in and out, so communication on that side of the ball is very important. uh being able to relay calls as long as long as everybody's on the same page on the defensive side of the ball, which from everything that I've seen from Coach Fuller and that defensive staff, they have those guys. In great shape for you know being two weeks away from from the first game, so those are my two things: is is really communication and consistency. And as long as they have those nailed down, then Memphis should be able to have the season that people are expecting them to have.
0: Well, two things I want to say, and I'm going to knock on wood, literally, for both of these. First of all, I took the liberty of uh, no pun intended of looking up the two week forecast Saturday. August 31st, I'm trying to do my best Austin Onick or Dave Brown voice here. August 31st, a high of 83, a low of 67, 20% chance of rain, partly cloudy skies, an expected game time kickoff temperature of approximately 76 degrees. If that happens, that's unbelievable. Now, do I think that somehow... God and Satan are going to get together and it's going to end up being 97 degrees and fully sunny. Yes. I fully expect that game to be scorching hot like any other, uh, early game at the Liberty bowl in August and, and or raining. Don't forget that. Right. Uh, I, I hope that we avoid the rain curse this year. Uh, so just let's hope that the Liberty bowl stocks up on plenty of water and hard seltzer. <laughs> For all the the females and uh, people named Brooks in the audience. I'm kidding. Uh, But the other thing is that's pretty amazing is that Memphis, up to this point, again, knocking on wood, has remained very, very healthy. No injuries, uh, no no major injuries. So if the Tigers can, can maintain that, if the weather holds, It's going to be a beautiful Saturday uh, with perfect conditions for a big-time Memphis win against a rival. Uh, I expect it to be a great atmosphere, as always. So, Christian, I've got nothing else on basketball recruiting or football. You got anything else, anything you want to – any curveballs you want to throw me?
1: I actually do have one football thing I want to cover before we get out of here because I think this – uh, should be impressive to a lot of Memphis fans, and I know it is impressive to me to see Memphis getting national attention. Uh, but if you go to two four seven sports and you look at the AP top twenty five breakdown, you will see Chris Hummer wrote about the biggest snubs and he actually listed Memphis as one of the biggest snubs and said that you know UCF has had a great couple years and he can't argue that they were at seventeen in the in the AP poll, but that Memphis has all the tools to win the American this year, and he would not be surprised if they're a 10-win team by the end of the season. So, if nothing else, I think it just, at this point, lets all the fans and lets everybody see that Memphis is nationally respected now. People actually look at Memphis as um, a team that's well-respected on the football field, which is something that I don't think could ever be said. So, just continues to let the fans know that Mike Newell and his staff are, are really leading this program in the right, way, right way if you have national 247 writers saying that memphis was one of the biggest snubs uh, from the first ap top 25 you know two weeks out before the season starts
0: and just so everybody knows christian and i had absolutely nothing to do with that mention in the article that was completely independent we didn't even know it was coming so uh, christian great point again to everybody listening thank you so much for for tuning in thank you for you know, jumping on the bandwagon and, and listening to us ramble week after week after week if you haven't already head on over to itunes spotify wherever you listen to your podcast subscribe if you can on itunes drop us a, a five-star rating and, and tell everybody why you love listening to tigers in 20 christian if you've got nothing else i've got nothing else let's get out of here that's our wrap Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind the scenes information.